Does that get you pumped up? Ready to go? Um, I am excited today to uh, start our new series, uh, Epic, as we look through and journey over the next seven weeks through the entire Bible. Um, and the, the hope is, is we can really give people a good snapshot at the big picture layout of what God is trying to communicate. And that always helps us kind of fill in details and helps us give perspective and uh, gives meaning to every story then that we read in the scripture. Um, it's going to be a little bit interesting today because um, I, I like this is my this is what I'm covering today. I'm going to give us kind of the whole outline. So it's, um, it's hard to like pick out one verse when you're going to talk about the entire thing. But if you stay with us throughout the course of this series, we're going to really kind of try to give it that zoom out look at all of the scripture and see what the whole story that God has revealed to us kind of tells us about kind of in our everyday life. And uh, it should make a huge impact on how we view the world. So our series Epic is is kind of one of those those the 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 big movie epic like kind of intro is appropriate. And I don't know about you, but I like kind of those those big movies. I don't like the movies where it's just kind of like, you know, just a bunch of people talking around a coffee shop. I like it when worlds are exploding. Those are the kind of movies I like with like uh, everybody has to gather around and say, all right, if we don't come up with a solution right now, everyone in the universe is going to die. I, that's the kind of movie I'm into. I love movies like this, like the big movies, because it just feels like, wow, this is something really important. And people in our culture get really into kind of those big movies, don't they? They get really, really into it. Here is a picture of people uh, at one of those epic movies. There you go. Uh, going to see one of those epic movies, dressing up in their, uh, what are they called? Stormtrooper costumes, all right? They're, they're really into it, right? All right, here's another one is... Uh, yeah, people decided let's have a wedding theme with Star Wars because we're that into this story. Uh, another one here is it, the. This is actually people camping out, getting ready for one of the Twilight movies. I've never even seen them, but uh, it must be good in order to camp out and be ready for them. So we sometimes people get really, really into it and really love. Kind of these types of movies. And, you know, one thing I just want to kind of tell people, I'm like, I do, yeah, I like those movies, but guys, it's not real, okay? All right, it, and sometimes people get so caught up in that world because it seems like, man, I want to hear about a story like this, and I want my life to be built around something like this. Well, hold on a second. There is an epic story and narrative that we... Uh, get it be a part of that is real that is going on that we're involved in engaged in in our everyday lives and it's this story and so um whether or not you want to uh maybe maybe what we should do throughout the series is you should dress up in garb uh and wait and camp out and like be ready like like normally about seven o'clock we get in here to set up like be camped out overnight ready to go because this story is that big of a deal and so it is the claim of the bible is it's not just another 
<coughs> excuse me, another epic story. And that, it's not just another one of these things. It is the story. It's the story that we are a part of. It's the story that we are living. And if that is true, that is so profoundly important that we understand the story that we're in. And so many times, unfortunately, maybe we get lost in kind of some of the details of the scripture and we get lost in some of these things and we miss. This is a part of something huge, something really big. And we need to know that story and we need to understand what God is doing and kind of how it fits together over the course of time. And so the Bible is an incredible book and the Bible is very unique in many regards, it is um, uh, the most sold book in the world. It's, uh, it's the bestseller every single year, year after year, uh, over and over and over. And if the like, New York Times bestseller list would post the sales for the Bible, it would just mostly be different translations of the Bible because it's the, it's the top-selling book ever. And it's, um, it's, there's over 50 Bibles sold every minute in this country. It was written by over 40 authors. There are um, more than 168,000 Bibles sold or given away per day in the United States. That means 600 million annually. Um, that's pretty profound and pretty amazing. And it's, it's also amazing in light of that, that sometimes we don't have a real good concept of Kind of the whole storyline that it's talking about. Maybe have bits and pieces and we have things kind of put together, but we're not quite sure how it fits and how it works. And so it's really important that we that we think about it. What is this book? And that's what I'm going to try to attempt to talk about today. Talk about the Bible. And that's a little bit different kind of in scope of how messages go sometimes talk about the Bible instead of necessarily like just read it. I try to always let the Bible speak to for itself because it always does a better job communicating than I do. However, um, you know, today that's kind of going to be what we talk about is what is the Bible. So um, more than 3000 times in the Bible, it says, thus saith the Lord. It says, this is the word of the Lord. And, you know, the scripture over and over reiterates that the scripture is that, that the Bible is God's word. It's God's word revealed to us. All scripture is God breathed is one of the that famous Bible verse in First Timothy 316. Just talking about that the scripture is God's word that comes through people. And um, what many people have uh, said about the Bible is um, they have different kind of views about what the Bible actually is. Um, some people would say maybe it's kind of like a fairy tale story of long ago. Some people kind of view it as like maybe a, a real scientific history book. Some people view it as one of the most you know profound pictures of ancient literature. Well, you know, a lot of those descriptions are a problem and incomplete. And let me tell you just kind of personally for me. And this is something that like is not a real academic 
thoughtful look at the scripture. But if you are someone who has uh, read the scripture and spent some time in the scripture, you'll find it to be true. That the scripture just changes us and the scripture speaks. I remember back years ago, the most important decision I made in my life. And I, yes, my, I'm saying that with my wife in the room. Um, uh, one of the, the, the life-changing decisions I made in my life was around 14 years old, where I said, I'm going to commit to reading the scripture. I'm going to commit to reading the scripture. For, so for well over 20 years now, I've made a regular commitment to be reading the scripture. And taking time, like, like thinking about praying, meditating, and reading the scripture. And it was the most life-changing decision I've ever made. It was something that, that transformed the way that I think, transformed my spiritual life, my relationship with God. It, and I found that over, well over 20 years of regularly reading the Bible and reading the same things that I've read many, countless times before, God still profoundly speaks. He speaks. He speaks when I open up my heart, when I read the scripture. He speaks and transforms and does amazing things in me. And it's it, without fail. When I'm open and my heart is available, God speaks when I read the scripture. Because it is alive. And it is different. I can't imagine reading any other book over and over for the course of 20 years and not getting tired. But the Bible is unique. And it is profound. And really, in many ways, we can't really understand the scripture without experiencing the scripture and experiencing the Christian life and following God. And so the Bible is a very unique thing. And so that's what we're going to be looking at throughout the course of the next several weeks and kind of looking at, you know, why does God speak this way? Why does God, what is God specifically talking about? How does like all of this apply to my life? What do I need to know? And what's my place in this story? Those are some of the questions that I want you to start thinking about and start investigating as we get into this book. So the Bible um, sometimes is the subject of battles. And actually, um, I, I want to read a little quick portion of scripture in Matthew chapter 4 just to illustrate this. In Matthew 4, we see kind of the, the polar opposites and a huge battle that is done by using the Bible, which is pretty interesting. And we see on one side, Jesus, and the other side, Satan, and actually both of them are using the Bible. That is pretty interesting, right? And both of them are using the Bible, and it says this in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand at the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up uh, in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. 
Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you'll bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels attended to him. Now, this is a passage we could, we could talk about lots of different things in here. And it's, it's really kind of the beginning of Jesus' ministry as he has this moment of preparation. And he has this moment of temptation and this, this encounter. And obviously, Jesus gives us several examples in here that we should use the scripture as a way to like, make sure that we're not led astray. And we should make sure that we're using the truth of God to guide us and to resist temptation. So lots of important th- themes in there. That we could talk about. But what I want you to think about, I just want you to look at kind of the scope of what's going on. As you see through here, this interactions, every single one of the interactions go back and forth and they're quotes back and forth. Is that they're both quoting the Bible. Okay? It's it's one quote of the Bible and then another quote of the Bible. And and Satan uses quotes of the Bible out of context and in a particular way in light in order to try to push Jesus towards these kind of subtle temptations or to go Jesus into doing something that would get him off of the mission that he intended. And Jesus replies over and over with, you know, scripture as well. And it's interesting to see that because we live in a world where scripture, quite honestly, can be used as a weapon, right? And can be misused and misunderstood. And it also, of course, is the place where we find life and meaning and God's, God's revelation. Isn't that an interesting, interesting thought going into this? Is that both can be used in that way. The scripture can be used in that way. The scripture can be used like kind of as a, as a, as a way to push us somewhere else and a way to kind of like put things, uh, a particular slant on things. And the scripture also is our way of life and our revelation from God. So going into it, it's, it's important that we're thoughtful and careful and thinking about how is it that I use the scripture? Is it something that I just kind of pull one verse out and kind of like make it like a motto of mine that is kind of like these, these, these different principles of life that, that, you know, I like some and I follow some and, you know, others I don't pay much attention to. And kind of that's, that's how I use the Bible, kind of like almost like uh, a calendar with nice sayings on it where you just, you know, flip the calendar and it says something inspirational that helps me kind of motivate myself through the day. Or is it something that we really embrace and understand and experience as God's revelation for us in this world? And it's, you know, very different approach. And so, so here's kind of some of, like I, I already alluded to, some of the people's views of the Bible. One is, is kind of a fairy tale. A story with adages and principles that are kind of like interesting, but not necessarily true. 
And there's kind of this, this idea that like there's all these things from the ancient past that like maybe have some kind of root in history, but it is kind of like a, a fable and a story. Okay, when I use the word story and narrative throughout this series, do, like let me be crystal clear, that is not what I'm referring to. And we need to fight against that idea because the Bible clearly talks about and says that this, that's not what it is going on. And we need to always read the scripture and try to look at it as clearly as saying, like, I'm interpreting it as clearly and plainly as it's stated as possible. Understanding, of course, there are times where the Bible uses, like, different, uh, like, uh, analogies that aren't to be taken specifically literally. But I always default and say, no, that, that's not what the scripture is. Because the scripture says, these things happened. And this is what took place. And this is the historical account of what took place. However, on the other side of that, some people use the Bible, and this is an easy thing to get into, as almost like a science history book where it's like kind of like an old textbook, like a reference book, encyclopedia of sorts. And kind of the way our modern Bibles are constructed, it's easy to get kind of into that categories because, you know, we have our table of contents, we have like kind of headings, we have maps, we have concordances that kind of give you references to like different Bible verses and things like that. So if you look through the Bible, it feels like, you know, like an encyclopedia where you kind of just look up like facts and figures almost and you treat it that way. Or, you know, these are things that were added for convenience and were useful. But let's also not get it wrong and think that this book is just a reference book. A, um, it, it is a tr like just a wooden academic book that we look at in that way, and that's it. There's something else. And so to have a proper understanding of the Bible, and this is what I believe is what I want to talk about throughout this series, is the Bible is a salvation story, okay? A salvation story, absolutely rooted in history and true, but a salvation story that calls us to participate and calls us to interact. It is not just an encyclopedia reference book. It is not a fairy tale book. It is a salvation story that we're called to engage in and participate in. That's what the Bible is. And let me kind of unpack that. Um, it's a simple kind of look at Scripture. There's all kinds of people that say this is what the Bible is all about. But that's a simple way of putting it. But it's definitely not a simplistic way of putting it. It actually puts a lot of onus on us to say... You know, I need to take seriously these words and embrace them in a way that is different from any other book. So, the Bible is a salvation story. Um, so, in um, the word epic is kind of, uh, uh, it's talking about a long narrative or a long story, typically with a hero that's involved, and that's appropriate for the scripture. But what we're going to be talking about kind of through the next several weeks is six seasons of time as well. Six different uh, really important movements that shape the broad story of the scripture. So epics 
as in like those seasons of time. So it is, um, here are the six, and I kind of want to lay them out for you, um, not to steal the thunder of future weeks, but this is the six weeks that we're going to be talking about in the future. The scripture talks about these different times and seasons, and it kind of follows the flow of this salvation story that is all throughout the scripture. Kind of that first epic, so to speak, is the creation. And this is, follows the timeline of the entire course of human history. And the beginning of it is the creation account right at the beginning of Scripture. And so next week, that's, that's what we will look at specifically. But that is the first kind of season that the Bible talks about. This is, this is how the story starts, how the salvation story begins is the creation of the world. The second one is the fall. And that is where sin enters the world. And so that is where uh, humanity goes away from God's plan. And that's where humanity deviates from God's will. And sin enters the world and causes all kinds of chaos. And there is a remedy that needs to take place in order for... Um, people to be restored back to God. The third one, let me see if I'm getting my wording correct, is a covenant community or the nation of Israel. So the covenant community is what God starts to do as he initiates his salvation story. He calls people to participate, to be involved, to engage in the story. He calls the people to be set apart, to really kind of start, uh, you know, proclaiming uh, his message to the world. And that's where our scripture emerges, is through the people who are called uh, by God. The fourth, and it's really the climactic moment in all of history, and that's what uh, the whole Bible centers on, and we understand it, is, and that's the fourth one, and that's the person of Jesus Christ. And that is the Messiah that is promised about, that is foretold about, that is God incarnate that comes to earth to finally uh, bring a solution, an ultimate solution to the problem of sin in the world. So the fourth is Jesus. And that's kind of what the whole human history uh, revolves around. And this is what our epic really is about. That's the hero story. And that's what we understand. Uh, so that is uh, kind of four. But it's the centerpiece of the entire story. Five is the church. So the legacy after Jesus is he leaves behind a movement, the people of God, that carry on his message to the ends of the earth. And the church is, it, you know, this is a new epic, a new season, a new time where the church is called by God to do this. And that's what the majority of the New Testament is comprised of and is talking about. And this is really uniquely and interestingly, this is kind of the parentheses in human history that we're in right now. And this is the season that we're in right now that we would say, like, that, that we should understand about and really engage. And then the sixth, is how the, I'll, I'll use biblical language, and it can be described in many different terms. But, new heaven, new earth. 
the culmination of the story. And you see how it all comes together is that at the beginning of time, God's creation uh, is uh, a creation that God intends to be good and restored and relationships to be right. And that there's all of these things that get in the way of that to move people back to God's original intention, which is humanity in relationship with God and close to their creator. And this is the salvation story all throughout Scripture. And we're kind of in this in-between time right here where we are in the middle of this story. And God asks us to participate and engage and be a part of it and understand that this is the story that we were all created for. And so that is kind of the series. And that's what we're going to be looking at throughout this um, uh the, the next several weeks. But I want you to understand that there is a narrative. There is a flow. There is a plot. And it's interesting because it becomes clearer and clearer over time as the story unfolds and as we see it. And we live in a very unique time that we can kind of see all of the pieces coming together in an amazing, profound way. The story gets more and more interesting later on, right? At the end of it, as it's getting to that kind of like point in time. And that's the season of time that we happen to live in. Is we happen to be in kind of that time where we can see the story unfold. But it has unfolded over the course of years through uh, multiple people. And it is, is taking place through generations upon generations. And it takes seasons of time for people to understand what is going on. But that is the story that has unfolded all throughout the scripture. And then we can look back and see all of it within that context. And that helps us understand it all in, in a more profound way. But in a, another part that is really important, that it really sets the Bible apart and makes it unique, is the fact that the Bible is participatory. The Bible is something that we are, we are engaged in and supposed to be a part of. People are all throughout this whole plot line. It's kind of the story of humanity. That all of it is, is God's interactions with human beings. And that's the, that's the center. And so, like many people may say, this is my life is about all these kinds of things. These are my goals. These are my objectives. This is what my life is about. But the reality is, you really have to ask your question. It, the question is, are you engaged in God's story in human history? Very important. Are we engaged in that? And what's our part? And how do we get involved with that? All throughout the story, you'll see, it always is people engaging with God. And the, the scripture actually comes to us in that way, too. It's written by human authors, over 40. It's written by people throughout generations upon generations. The story unfolds through the lives of people responding to God. And you know what? This is where the Bible can get very messy and confusing. And this is where people can like, find all kinds of uh, interesting things in it that feel like harm. If you can't see the big picture, there's lots of little details that get kind of confusing. Because all throughout the scripture, there's descriptions of people's lives that are failures. There's descriptions of time where people did the right thing, but also did the wrong thing. There's descriptions of what's going on all throughout human history. And there's seasons of time all throughout where people completely are failing at what God's intention was here and here. 
And in the middle, it's a big mess. And there's lots of people that do things that it feels like when you read it are, are kind of in the name of God. But when you look at the whole picture, you're seeing it's, it's moving the ball forward a little bit, but it's really, really messy in how it unfolds. And so sometimes if you just if you don't understand the whole story of what's going on, you may pick out one particular story in there somewhere that's like this doesn't make a lot of sense. But the Bible over and over is engaged with faulted and flawed humans and is moving them over time to what God would intend for them to be. But there's there's violence and there's all kinds of Problems and there's interactions with different people that just don't seem right or correct. And it's all in there. It's all in there because it's, it's not just God doing something without humans engaged. It's not. And you know what? This is something that, that, is, that is a struggle for someone like me because, you know, I'm kind of particular sometimes on certain things. And I can be a little bit of a perfectionist in some ways. And I got like big ideas on how things should be done. And sometimes when you like start hanging out and like doing things in groups, like everybody messes up my beautiful, perfect plans. Anybody can relate to that a little bit? Things in community are messy and complicated and hard. And sadly enough, many people have walked away from faith and walked away from the Bible because they said, did you see that story where those faulted people did all kinds of crazy things and God worked in it and moved the ball forward still? That's confusing. Why would God allow that? God decided to have this story be a participatory event. And then there's times where people show up to places like this and they say, you know what? That person said something I didn't like and that person was you know, this or that. And I, I would like to, I, I don't want to be a part of that if that's God's story. You have to understand that what's going on is a participatory event where God is coming around us and allowing us to participate in this story. Okay? This is, it gets really messy in that way. And then also what it does is it, is it calls us to action. You understand that? It calls us to be engaged. You cannot be passive in this narrative, in the story. You can't sit back and just see it unfold and watch it like a movie. Because that's not what it is. It's not something to just kind of disengage and understand. It's not a fairy tale. But it's, it, it's also not just like a reference book. It is something that calls us to engage and participate and be involved with. And so it is a call to action, a call for us to say, I am going to engage in the story. I'm going to be a part of the story, not just my story and my objectives. I'm going to be a part of the story. It's God's world. And I want to be a part of what God is doing in this story. And so it is not a fairy tale. It is not a documentary. It's not a movie that we're just like watching like that. It is, God forgive me. Like, don't, don't quote me on this one, okay? But it's like, it's like a, a, a dinner theater, okay? It's not a movie. It's not a documentary. It's, a, it's something you show up and you better be ready to engage 
and participate in. You better be ready to like speak up and be a part of it. That's what the Bible calls us to. Don't, please don't. I don't, if I ever see that on Facebook, you're in big trouble. Uh, Tyler said, the Bible is like dinner theater. What? What kind of craziness is that? Uh, that sounds so silly. And when I wrote it down, I was like, oh man, what am I thinking? But I want you to understand kind of those analogies that you can't sit back and watch it. You can't just historically look at it and narrate it that way. You have to engage it and you have to experience it. And so the scripture calls us to experience it. And the question really is, is can you really understand the scripture without experiencing it? There's people with PhDs that know the Bible better than me and know all kinds of context and history and all kinds of stuff about it. But until you experience the scripture, you don't understand the scripture. Until you experience what God is doing and, and, and practice that and play that out in your life, you will never understand the scripture. Because the scripture is participatory and it's a salvation story that every single one of us is involved with and is to participate and be a part of. And so when the scripture says the scripture is God breathed, the scripture has the breath of God. It is saying, yes, it's inspired. It's God's revelation. It's telling us about historical things that have happened to help us understand what's going on. But it's also saying it gives us life. And it's something that when I read it, I should be in awe of the saving work of God in history and in my life. I should be very aware of that. That this is a salvation story that, is, that, that, that should captivate who I am in my life. And I should be in awe of that. When I read it, I should be moved to love God more and love other people more. Because I see all that God has done throughout history to bring people back into relationship with him. I should be moved and captivated towards action to be different. To love others. When I read it, I should give my life more fully to the community, to the story that God is, you know, the, the, the epic or the season that we're in, but also what we've seen all throughout history. I should be more engaged and say, I got to engage more with this is part of my story. The scripture calls us to action. It's a participatory thing. And so the question over the course of the next several weeks that I want you to be thinking about is how in my life have I placed myself and engaged in the story that God is unfolding among us? Do I understand the story, first of all? And am I engaging daily? And am I participating in being about what God is doing in this world. I hope and I encourage you to, uh, like I did many years ago, 20 plus years ago, to fall in love with the scripture. Not because of like, you know, the incredible historical content or the amazing stories, but to fall in love with the scripture because it's the breath and the life of God that is revealed to us that helps us understand what this is all about. Will you pray with me?
God, first and foremost, we thank you today. Because you give us a picture and a snapshot revealed over the course of thousands of years. What you're doing in this world. God, we thank you for the time and place that we're in. We thank you that you've given us the opportunity to engage. And for us to understand and fully grasp the word of God. God, breathe, breathe life into us. Breathe life into us through your word. And God, I pray that we would, we would reflect deeply on how it affects our daily life. Knowing what you're doing throughout human history, God, help us to be in tune with you instead of doing our own thing. This is the story. I invite you right now just to take a moment and think about how God has called you to participate in the story. How God has, has called you to engage and to get deeper. Maybe it's understanding it better, the story better. Maybe it's living out what you already know. But what we understand about the scripture is it does not allow us just to sit passively by and hear the message in words and not respond and not act. Because the book calls us to action. It calls us to engage. So God, I pray that our hearts would be moved and stirred. And we would be about your work, building your kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.